Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Really excited to be continuing in a series called Our Indomitable Future. We kicked it off last week, and uh, it's a series with the tagline, all in so we can win, because I believe in this season that God is bringing us to, which is a new season, we bought a new building in old Sacramento, we're taking new territory, Um, there's a lot of great things happening in our city that God is preparing us, and he needs a church that's all in. He needs this church, you as God's people, to be all in. And this word indomitable means unbeatable, undefeatable, and it cannot be subdued. And so that's what we believe is our future because we know the end of this book, and it tells us that we win. Um, We know that God is victorious, and we believe God wants a church that is going to be victorious in the city for him, that's going to bring hope to a city like never before. And so here's a breakdown of the series just so you guys can see it last week. We talked about being invested in God's kingdom. You can go back and watch. We have a podcast on iTunes, Spotify. You can watch on YouTube. Today we're talking about being influential in this city. Week three, we're going to talk about being inspired to reach the world. Week four, inclusive of all people. And week five, our indomitable future. The title of the series, we're ending with that because it is our end of the year offering. So let me just set this up. This is something we do every year. And we know that Project Church wasn't built on the gifts of a few, but on the sacrifices of the many. Um, We also know that in this church that it's not about equal giving because we all come from different economic levels. It's about equal sacrifice, that God wants us all to sacrifice in some way. And so I want to challenge you. I want to set you up and get you ready that you begin to pray. December 1st, we're having an end-of-the-year offering, and I want you to begin praying, God, what is it you're stirring in my heart to give? And here's what this offering is going to go towards. Um, I want you to see so you can uh, just have an idea. So first, this offering is going to there we go, is going to go to advance the vision in 2020. So we know that 2020, how many believe this is a big year? A new decade, new opportunities, new season for our church, um, new building, new territory. Advance the vision in 2020. Second, it's going to go for us to establish our permanent home in Old Sacramento. Listen, we're about $100,000 from our goal. So you guys have done amazing. Um, Our church has been giving. You've been faithful. Thank you. But we need to raise a little bit more money so we can furnish the facility. So we can move in early in the new year. Um, And so I just want to ask you that you begin to pray. And then third... 10% of this offering is going to go to rescue girls from sexual slavery all around the world through an organization called Project Rescue. So we're going to give 10% of this offering, we're going to give to this ministry. Project Rescue, they've been doing this for 20 years. They have homes in India, Spain, France, all around the world. They've been doing it long before it was like the popular thing to do. And uh, they're an organization that we've been partnered with since we started this church. In fact, Beth Moore, who's one of the directors of Project Rescue, she spoke at our women's event this past year, Fashion. So a lot of you heard her. Um, They're incredible. Christy and I have a relationship with them, and we're excited to be able to partner with them. We actually gave them $12,000 to help last year. This year, we've already given, I think, around $6,000 towards uh, Project Rescue, but we want to give more. So I just want to ask that you guys would come knowing that we're going to give. It's going to further the future in Old Sacramento. It's going to help finish our building, which I know you guys are excited about, right? And, uh, and then it's going to help us to, to further the vision in 2020. So thank you guys. Be praying December 1st what it is God wants you to give. So let's jump in here. Uh, my kids, 
my boys, they're, they're six and eight. And recently, they started asking me if they could start their own YouTube channel. And they're like, Dad, we want to start a YouTube channel. And I'm like, okay, like, what is your YouTube channel going to be about? And they're like, we're going to do trick shots. And they want to do trick shots because all they watch is Dude Perfect every day, right? And so, like, we're going to do trick shots. So lately, they've been asking me to record them on my phone, attempting trick shots. The problem is they're six and eight years old, and these trick shots aren't the greatest, okay, just being real. I keep it 100 with my kids, okay? And, uh, and so I'll be recording for like five minutes, and they're trying to like bank a, a mini ball off a wall into a mini hoop. And finally they make it, and they run around the room. Um, and I'm like, all right, guys. And I, I told them the other day, like, listen, y'all, I, I don't think anybody's going to watch this channel. I'm already dashing the dreams of my children. So I, I don't know if anyone's going to watch this channel, so maybe we need to come up with a better idea. But it's funny because my kids... They already want to be influencers. I mean, they're six and eight years old, and they want to influence people. They told me, Dad, if we start this YouTube channel, like, people are going to watch. We're, we could be famous. They're like, we're going to monetize this. No, I said that to them. Um, I'll help you if you figure out how we can monetize this. Uh, and and so, so, man, they, they, they want to be influencers, and this is a buzzword today, right, because we got all these social media influencers. Some of you in this room might even be an influencer. But at the end of the day, I believe we're all called to influence. In fact, every person in this room is an influencer. Doesn't matter if you have 10,000, 100,000 followers on Instagram or you have 10 followers on Instagram. You are influencers because every day you walk into rooms, into places, into spheres of opportunity where you have the ability to influence people in some way. And so my kids already get this, and yet I think as we get older, we start to lose the belief that we have in our influence. Not only that, but maybe, just maybe, the reason we don't believe in our influence or we don't believe we are influential or influencers is because we don't understand our purpose. And what I see in this life and in this culture is a lot of people are wrestling with and looking for and they're searching and they're confused about their purpose. I think that, and I saw a pastor talk about this the other day, so I'm going to steal it. But I, I saw the other day I was, I was watching this and, and I, I realized like, man, there are things in our lives that understand their purpose better than we do. You see, our purpose, often we want to compare our purpose to someone else's purpose, and then we actually want to have their purpose. And we begin to think, well, if I just had a purpose like that, then I'd be fulfilled. And God is looking at us and saying, no, listen, uh, I've created you specifically, uniquely, for a specific purpose. You need to walk in that purpose. But, but we want to be something often that we're not. And what I'm talking about is like this podium and my microphone actually know more about purpose than often you and I do. You see, my, my podium would never attempt to amplify my voice. It just wouldn't. Because it knows its job is to hold my Bible and my iPad. It would not because it wouldn't work. Right? If, uh, that's not its purpose. In the same way, my microphone, can you, oh, it's doing it. 
but not very well. It would never attempt to hold my Bible because that's not what it was designed to do. The podium was designed to hold these things. The microphone was designed to amplify my voice. And you were designed specifically for a purpose. But we so often, because of this culture and because of the influencers we see and because of what is thrown at us, we want to be often something we're not. And God is saying, no, you need to be who I've called you to be. You need to walk in the purpose and, and, and the specific call that I have on your life. My boys think they're called to do trick shots. I kind of think not. Let do perfect handle the trick shots. And so today, I, I think that the church for too long, because we were afraid of being influenced, we walled ourselves off. Because he said, man, this world is dark. This world is jacked up. This world is sinful. This world is sexual. This world is going downward. This wor world is going to hell in a handbasket, as the people say. This world is going in a place that we don't want. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to wall ourselves off from the world, protect ourselves so that they don't influence us. But the last time I checked, the light is always more powerful th than the darkness. Come on, somebody in this place. The light of God that's in us is far more powerful than the darkness that surrounds us. And what happened is the church was so afraid of being influenced that we abandoned our call to be influential. We said, let's, let's separate ourselves. Let's protect ourselves. Let's hide ourselves. We don't want them to get us. We don't want them to get our kids. And all the while, we've given up and abandoned the call that God has to us, that you would go into this world and you would bring light to darkness. You would go into this world and you would influence those that need to hear the message of me. And we've forgotten. And we lost our call to be influential. To be influencers. Listen, influence is power. And you know what power does? It enables you to bring change. The church needs to embrace its ability once again to influence because it has a call to influence. So I want to read from Jeremiah chapter 29. Here's what I'm excited about in this series. We're actually spending this whole series in the book of Jeremiah. Last week you heard from Jeremiah 32. In fact, the next three weeks are all going to be in Jeremiah 29. We are going to actually teach on one of the most famous scriptures in all of scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, next week. And uh, often we say this verse of, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. We say it, but we don't explain the context of it. And so we're going to really break it down, and, and I want to set up the context for this passage because maybe you weren't here last week and you missed it, but it's 600 years B.C. Jeremiah prophesies, he says, listen, the nation of Israel, which has now been divided into two different nations, there's Judah and there's Israel, he says, we have gone down. We've turned our back on God. So they're worshiping idols. They're sexually perverse. Um, they're, they're hungry for money. They're going after all the wrong things. And God basically speaks to them from Jeremiah. says, listen, because of your hard hearts, because you've turned your back on me, you're not worshiping me, I'm actually going to send a nation in Babylon to attack you, to take you captive, and they're going to destroy, our, destroy Jerusalem, destroy your land, take you, and for 70 years you will be captives in a nation called Babylon. 
And Jeremiah prophesies this, and the people don't like it. The kings don't like it. They're mad at him, but then Babylon shows up. They're like, oh, dang, it was true. And so now the nation of Israel is under attack. Um, the people are being captured. They're burning their homes to the ground. In fact, if you read a little further, we see that they finally seize Jerusalem, break down the walls, burn the temple to the ground, and take everything valuable out of it. And then they bring the people, it says, as exiles to the nation of Babylon. They literally kidnap all the people, bring them to Babylon, plug them in there, and say, you're going to live here now. It actually says in, in the text that they only leave a handful of poor people behind in Judah and Israel. That's all that's left. So they bring all these people, and they had a plan in this. And, I, and we don't always understand this. But their plan was that they would eventually, all the descendants of Israel would no longer see themselves as Israelites, but they'd see themselves only as Babylonians. And that happens here in our country, right? Some of you are of some different descent. My wife is Filipino, and her parents immigrated when they were in their late 20s. And Chrissy still sees herself as Filipino, but, but in a lot of ways, right, culturally, she's more American than she is acclimated to the Filipino culture. In the same way, that's what they wanted to do here. They're like, if we get them in Babylon, eventually they won't even realize or see that they're, you know, their kids and their kids' kids, now they'll just think they're Babylonians. That was their whole goal. That was their plan. And so I wanted to set this context because now God challenges them through Jeremiah and says, here's how I want you to live in a land that's not your own. And I think we can relate to this because as followers of Christ, the Bible actually tells us that we're aliens, we're foreigners in a land not our own when we live here on this earth. We don't really belong here. And Jesus actually said, the world's going to hate you, but remember they hated me first. And so we have to take all this in and begin to understand that while we aren't, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this city, Sacramento, but we're not of this city, that we still have a call to this city. And we still have a call to be influencers in this city. To be influential in this city. And this is the challenge that Jeremiah gives to the people from God. Here's what he says. Jeremiah 29, 4-7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city for where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is the challenge to a people who have been kidnapped uprooted, homes burned to the ground, temple destroyed, walls torn down, and taken to a land and planted by a people that they don't like. And God says, this is what I want you to do here. And so I want you to soak this in because I think as followers of Christ, maybe sometimes we, we get this mentality that it's us versus them. Because I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I live righteous, I'm holy, and there, there's them, the evil people of this world. Then there's them, the people that want to indoctrinate and, 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 and change my, my kids' way of thinking. Then there's them, this world that wants us to worship all these wrong things. It's us versus them. But I believe that God is saying, I want you to go and to love them. 
to be influential to them, to bless them, to bless a city that you've been planted in. So I, I really want to challenge us today that we would increase the church's influence capacity. Because I think we all have greater capacity than we realize or recognize. And some of us are walking in a way and living in a way that minimizes the capacity and, and what God can do through us and in us. And I believe God wants to challenge us today in a different way. You see, the church had a call, but decided to abdicate for too long because we're like, it's us versus them. But I believe it's time for the church to infiltrate so that we can incapacitate the enemy. You see, he thought he was winning, but all he's really done is initiate a fire within us where I believe we are going to permeate the city to generate revival in Sacramento. And so I just want to challenge us today because we are called to be influencers in this world. And maybe you haven't seen yourself that way. Maybe you thought, well, that's for the pastor, or that's for my friend who, who's very charismatic, or that's for that person that I know that has a lot of talent, but it's not for me. But God is wanting to say to us today, no, it's time to increase the capacity of the influence that the church is called to have. So, number one, if we're going to increase the church's influence capacity, it is our responsibility. It's our responsibility. Yours and mine. What does he say? Uh, Jeremiah is speaking to the people. And he says to them, he says, embrace that you've been sent to the city. He says, I have sent you. What I believe we need to take from that is that they probably had the mentality that it's us versus them and they took us. They took us from our land. They took us from our home. They took us from our nation. They took us. They took advantage of us. And God's saying, they didn't take you, I sent you. They didn't just take you. And that's that negative mentality, that negative space that so many of us are in. And I think we think negatively about too many things. And God's saying, no, they didn't take you, I sent you for a reason, for a purpose. And it's our responsibility I'm trying to teach my kids responsibility right now. My six-year-old the other day got in trouble at school. He got an incident report. First one we've ever got home. We had to sign it, send it back. Um, we felt like failure as parents. But, hey, it happens. Pastor's kids are often the worst. You all know that. Um, and so he had, during a, a circle time, he had taken a pen and drawn all over the carpet. So we were trying to figure out. What, how are we going to punish him? So I actually asked him, what should your punishment be? And he said, well, Dad, I think I should not have Slurpee Friday for a month straight. Because every Friday we do Slurpee Friday. That's their reward for a great week of school for working hard. It's my idea, not my wife's. She wanted, you know, acai bowl Friday, but I ain't down like that. I said, let's give them some real sugar. Um, Slurpees, they weren't, and they wouldn't want acai bowl Friday either. And, and so, so I... I said, bro, I, I mean, I hear you, but I don't really think that's going to really do the trick. And so we actually were talking. We're, we texted his teacher. We said, hey, we have a shampooer at our house. We want Kai to come and shampoo the carpet in the classroom. The teacher said, I love that. Because we're trying to teach him responsibility. And I think that some of us in this room, 
and I, I'm just going to be real because I have a lot of conversations like this. We are focused on too much on what's next. And so I have conversations a lot on Sundays with people, and they're always like, man, I'm just trying to get out of Sacramento. Like, I, I'm just trying to get to, like, this other place, this other city. I, I, I'm not supposed to be here. And I just want to challenge you and say to you that you're here. That maybe God has sent you here. And you thought you were taken out of somewhere else and, and that you're being punished for the place that you're in. But God may be wanting to do something through you in the place he's called you to. And so I just want to challenge you because some of you, I'm not saying you're not going to move and maybe in a month or a year or a couple years. I mean, Tyler and Lucy, they got a week. Um, they're moving. But right now, guess what? You're here. And so right now while you're here or wherever you're from, maybe you're visiting, I want to tell you, wherever God has placed you, take responsibility and say, I'm here to work for the betterment of this city. I'm here to bless where I've been called. I'm here to be influential in this place. We're so focused on what's next. I want to challenge you that you would embrace the season you're in. You may be missing what God has for you right now, right in front of you in this season because you're so focused on what's next. And I'm going to say something that you may not want to hear. Some of us need to embrace our captivity. That maybe... You have been called here for this time, and you feel like you're captive, but if you embrace it, suddenly you're going you're gonna to begin to feel like you're called. You see, captivity and a call is very different. Captivity is a mindset that I can't get out, but a call is a mindset that says I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here to accomplish something. we got to increase the church's influence capacity. starts with it being our responsibility. Second... It has to be done with intentionality. He says to them in verse 5 through 6, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons, daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. He's saying, he said, look, while you're somewhere, bear fruit. And somebody needed to hear this in this place, that you've been called here, you've been placed somewhere, and God is saying to you for too long, you've been looking elsewhere, and God is saying, bear fruit now. Bear fruit where you are. Bear fruit where I've called you. God actually calls the people to multiply and not to decrease. I've been in churches where it's like, it's us foe and no mo. You know, like, we're happy. This is all we want. We don't want anybody else. We're happy where we are. Listen, as the church of Jesus Christ, I believe we should have a commitment to increasing, to multiplying, to growing. Why? Because we know that every number is a soul, and every soul matters to God. And we have a call to the souls of this city, to the souls of this world. So we have to think about multiplying. God doesn't want his church to decrease. He wants it to increase. We know that growth is health. And we all want to grow personally. We need to be a church that says we want to grow spiritually. We want to grow numerically. Why? Because we want to reach more people for Jesus. But it takes that intentionality. God actually commands the people. And he says, multiply, don't decrease. But how many of you know that multiplication takes time? How many of you know that influence takes time? Nothing is built overnight. And this means there's a commitment Often to say, I'm here, and I'm here to stay. I'm here, and I'm here as long as God wants me here. My wife, she wants our children to be musical. 
And she knows they ain't getting that from me. But she wants it. And so you know what she started doing? All three of our kids, they take piano lessons. And they're, they're four and six and, and eight, and, and they're not very good. But guess what? Give them another year. Give them five years. Give them ten years. And you know what happens? Suddenly, there's growth. Influence takes time. Some of you walked into your new job and thought you were going to be the man on the first day. Let me tell you, influence takes time. Some of you came to this city and thought your business was going to blow up overnight. Guess what? Influence takes time. Growth takes time. Keep planting seeds. Keep watering. Keep working. And you will see the fruit. But it takes time. It takes time. See, Jesus, he gave us a plan. He said, build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. We need a plan. We need a godly strategy. If we want to influence this city, we have to be people that are strategizing all the time. And listen, intentionality means we don't always know what we're supposed to do, but we step out and we do something that makes somewhat a sense and is often obedience to God. When we started Project Church, we didn't know how to influence the city. We didn't know how to be influential. All we knew is we're going to preach Jesus. But then we're like, but how do we get connected to our community? So you know where we started? The schools. So we started in downtown Sacramento. We went to the elementary schools around. We said, what can we do? How can we serve? And we showed up for a couple of their events. Before you knew it, the parent-teacher association was calling us and saying, would you come serve at this event? Would you come serve at this event? The same thing has happened in West Sacramento. We started in West Sacramento. We, we work at a school. Or our church, our campus meets at a school. And we just started saying, how can we serve? How can we help? How can we bless? Sam just came on as a... As a leading youth with his wife Carly. And they're like, what are we going to do? Well, let's start with the school. So River City High School. So they started praying, God, what are we supposed to do at River City High School? Guess what? They called one day. They just called over to the school. And next thing Sam knew, he got a call back from a woman at the school. She's the activities director. And she said, hey, I've actually been praying that God would send someone from the church to help this school. Sam was praying that God would give him a connection at the school. They were both praying, and they were the answers to each other's prayer. Not only that, but she actually goes to Project Church. And she said, I saw you up there on stage, and I was just waiting for somebody to call me. And so we have a quick little video of what we did at Hope Week with and at West Sacramento River City High School. So this is for one of their student rooms. We painted it, and I know it took them a lot longer than they thought, huh, Sam? They were there for extra days. Hope we extended it an entire extra week. We didn't even know it was going to happen. But this is an opportunity. We have to be intentional. We have to use intentionality. We may not always know how it's going to end up, how it's going to work out, but we step out in faith and we trust God. Sometimes that's the best step, the best strategy, saying, God, I'm just stepping out. Third, it takes tenacity. Ooh, I love this word. Everybody say tenacity. It says in verse 6 and 7 of this passage, it says that you are to work. It says work. 
build, plant, take wives, work. You know, I think that often we have a plan, we have a strategy, but we don't always want to put in the work. And I'd much rather have someone that knows how to work than someone that has a lot of great ideas. And unfortunately, for too often, the church, like, we, we love to talk because we love to study the Bible. And we're all ethereal and intelligent. And, and we love to study. But when it comes to working, we don't always want to work. You see, tenacious people, they work. They put their hand to the plow. You can't teach tenacity all the time. See, I, I'd much rather have a loose cannon often than just a passive parry. I don't know why I use parry, but it just came to me. Sorry if your name's Perry in this place. Why? Because if I could take that tenacity, that fire, that grind, that work, and, and redirect it, I could point it in the right direction. Next thing you know, it's accomplishing things for the kingdom. God did this. Jesus did this. He took Peter. Peter was a loose cannon. He was rebuking Jesus. He's cutting dudes' ears off. He's calling people out. He's always causing problems. But Jesus said, him, I could work with that. That's going to be the rock on which I build my church. He took Paul, who was Saul. He's out there killing Christians. He was the biggest advocate against Christianity. Well, all of a sudden, God's looking at him and goes, if I could just get his heart, he'll work for me. He gets his heart. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. I think that we have a lot of passive people in today's culture. We don't get excited about anything. We don't get passionate about anything. My wife, man, I love her. She's tenacious. How many got some tenacious wives out there? Come on, somebody. I got a tenacious wife. Let me tell you, I first married her. I wasn't ready for it. Because that fire comes out in fighting sometimes. You know what I'm saying? There's Shoes flying across the living room at me at times. I'm like, God's worked on her a lot in 11 years. She has grown. But, but back in the day, you all think I'm joking. <laughs> Talk to her about it. She'll admit it. But guess what? That tenacity, she, she may fight hard, but she also loves hard. She may fight hard, but she also loves with a lot of power, a lot of strength. And I've watched that play out in her favor in our life, in our church, in our future. Why, God is looking for some tenacious, some passionate people. And I know some of you out there are like, that's just not me. Very placid, very chill. Listen, I'm a chill dude. My wife all the time will say, she said to me multiple times, well, just get mad at something. But guess what? When you begin to get connected to the Lord, when you begin to, to get hungry for his word, when you begin to spend more and more time in worship, suddenly there's this fire and there's this passion and there's this tenaciousness that begins to rise up in your heart and you walk into your job in a different way. You walk into this city in a different way. You go to the grocery store in a different way. You walk around and say, I'm here on a mission. I'm here for a purpose. God is looking for some tenacious people. Why? Because we, we need the church to invade every sphere of this city. All areas of this city. And this isn't an invasion. This isn't a takeover of anything negative. This is an invasion of love. 
This is an invasion of truth. This is an invasion of grace that we walk into the political spheres, the business world, the education department, the creative spheres of this city, and we walk in on mission for Jesus. There's a tenaciousness. We say, no, we're here, but we're here for more. We're here for more than what they may think we're here for. We're going to love. We're going to release grace. We're going to release truth. And we're going to do it to point everybody to him. The band would come back. Finally, if we're going to increase the church's influence capacity, we need a church of audacity. See what I did there? A lot of rhyming words. I I love tenacity. You see, tenacity is your fire to work for more. But audacity is your faith to believe for more. And we need both. It's not enough to just work. It's not enough to just go. We also have to believe and trust in a God that can do more. In a God that can move mountains. In a God that can open blind eyes. In a God that can give us opportunities that we couldn't have on our own. You see, when you begin to believe for more, God begins to open doors for more. Here's what he says. He ends this whole little section to the people of Israel in a land that not their own, captive by their enemies. And he says to them, here's what I want you to do. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. He says, I want you to pray for your enemies. Listen, church, if we're going to influence this city for Jesus, we have to pray for this city. We have to pray for its leaders. We have to pray for our co-workers. We have to pray for our neighbors. We have to pray for the influencers and and those people in authority all around us. We have to be people of prayer because when you pray, you have the audacity to believe for more. You will have the audacity to believe that that co-worker that you think could never turn their life to Jesus could come to know Jesus. How many of you know that there are people in this church that if you knew them a few years back, you'd say they would never be a Christian. There are people ministering on this platform that if you knew them a few years back, you'd say there is no way they would ever follow Jesus. But somebody had the audacity to pray for them and the tenacity to tell them about Jesus. They had the intentionality to say, I'm going to find a way to get into their life, to get into their heart. And they said, it's my responsibility. If we're going to influence a city, we have to take these things on as the church. You know, I love how he ends this. He says, pray for your city. He says, pray audacious prayers that we would see what isn't currently there, that we would risk it, that we would be extreme with it, that we believe for God to work a miracle. But then he goes on and he says, listen here. And here's the best part. Because some of you are hearing all this, you're like, okay, like that's good for God. And it's good for the city, but what about me? Because some of you, you're selfish like me. You're like, what's in it for me? What's in it for me, Caleb? Here's the thing. God doesn't love our selfishness, but he still sometimes speaks into it. He doesn't always appreciate our selfishness, but he still sometimes speaks to it. Because like, I know you're human. I know you're selfish. And he says to them at the end of this, he says, 
Do all these things for this city because in its welfare, you will find your welfare. He says, when you do all these things in the city, you bless the city, you will in turn be blessed. You see, we are blessed to be a blessing. Some, some of y'all, what's in it for me? I just told you. You bless, you get blessed. You give, you receive. That's the kingdom of God. That's how it works. Because God is a God of blessing. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of overflow. He doesn't want us in this city, working for this city, blessing this city, and not anything coming back to his people. No. He says, you're my children, and I give good gifts to my children. I bless my children. That's why Kai's still getting Slurpees on Fridays, because I'm a good father. And that's what God wants to do for us. He says, be influential in this city. Move in this city. Work for this city. Bless in this city, and you will in turn be blessed. He says, when the city wins, we win. God's people wins. When the city prospers, we prosper. When the city grows, so grow the opportunities to make Jesus known in this city. You and I are called to be influence, influential in this city for Jesus. And some of you are still tripping on your purpose. And I hope today God has deposited just a little into you and said, no, no, no. I've created uniquely and specifically for this season, in this city, in this church, in that job, in that sphere of influence, I've placed you. Some of you have been fighting against it because you thought they took you. And God's saying, no, I called you. I placed you. I put you exactly where you're meant to be. Now walk in the call of where you've been placed. Walk in the faith that God can do something through you right where you are, right now, in this season. He wants to do something through your life. How do you believe that today? Let's give God some praise if you believe that today. That God wants to do something through your life right now where he's called you. Listen, we're going to pray. I want to give an opportunity. Because I think there may be someone in this room that's saying, man, this is cool. Kayla, you're talking about being influential in the city. But honestly, I've had all the wrong influences on my life. And I don't even know how to influence people for Jesus. Well, it starts with you giving your life to Jesus. Let the greatest influencer that will change your life come into your life. When Jesus becomes your main influence, everything changes. And so I want to challenge you today, if that's you, maybe you've been running from God, maybe you've never given your life to God. Today, allow Jesus to be the influencer that you need. The influencer that takes your sin, your mess, your mistakes, your past. He washes it away and says, you're a new creation. You are my child. You have a future. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? If that's you, you say, Caleb, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to let him be my main influence. Maybe for the first time, maybe just recommit yourself today. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three, go. If that's you. Yes, hands are going up around the room. Yes, all around the room. Thank you, guys. Amazing. You can put them down. Come on, church. Give God some praise in this place. Can we stand to our feet all across this room? Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying for me. I ask today that you would come into my life that you would be my influencer, that I would look to you alone, not the cares of this world, not my past, 
not my sin not what they're doing what he's doing what she's doing but to you my king and my lord i love you jesus and i will serve you with all my heart in your name amen come on let's sing this song before we go church lift your voice this word encouraged you today if you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.